You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical, backward-ass ideals that we have here in the United States. This is episode 168 of American Sex Podcast. I'm Sunny Megatron. My co-host is Ken Milvoin burke who you'll be hearing from in a little bit. We're both sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and we are kinky perverts too that just so happen to be non-monogamously married to each other. This episode, we are taking sex parties to a whole new level with Polly Superstar. Let me tell you about Polly. She is a 21st century sex culture revolutionary. Born in London, she's the daughter of a hot air balloon pilot and a sex therapist. She gained her bachelor's in fine arts and apprentice under a master latex tailor before leaving London for the United States, first to San Francisco, home of the sexual revolution in 1999, and then on to Las Vegas, Sin City in 2018. She's dedicated her life to sexually progressive culture as a latex fashion designer, a creator of immersive theatrical queer erotic events, and a spokesperson for sex culture. She's the author of the book, Polly, Sex Culture Revolutionary, and her award-winning event, Kinky Salon, takes place in multiple cities across Europe and North America. Okay, so sex parties. That may not have been quite the correct phrase to describe Polly's legendary kinky salon. So the first kinky salon was in 2003 in San Francisco, right? It has grown to 16 cities worldwide. So in this conversation that you're about to hear with me, Ken, and Polly, Polly tells us how kinky salon came to be as what it is known as today. It's had a few iterations. It is more than a sex party. Kinky salon is an intentionally created immersive experience with inclusivity at the center of everything. You know, sex isn't the focus of the event. Um, although, yeah, you know, sex is definitely going to be happening somewhere. But you know, it's just the, uh, I don't know, icing on the cake. The focus is exploring erotically, embracing your ridiculous fun side in a safe container of creativity and community. And each event has a theme too. Uh, like the alien mating ritual contest, for instance. And as wacky and wild as Kinky Salon seems, there's a lot of intention behind what Polly does, like the very unique and very effective PAL system, that's P-A-L, stands for Pervy Activity Liaison, um, that helps minimize rowdy, out-of-hand folks and helps people, you know, keep themselves and their friends in check. It's pretty cool. Polly also talks about how Kinky Salon has pivoted to be more pandemic conscious, right? Like they have virtual events, like you have not experienced. Like it, this is not your typical Zoom orgy. Oh, it, no, no, no. Um, they have a social network now. And 
Polly's working on this small event model that she's rolling out. So if you have a pandemic pod with a few trusted people, you can bring the kinky salon spirit to your own home and your own gatherings. Uh, Polly continues to flex the title of sex culture revolutionary, uh, even through the pandemic, even through unexpected times. And I guarantee you, you have not seen anything like Polly, this is such a good conversation from like punk rock-esque latex London clubs to wacky stuff in Folsom Street Fair in San Francisco. It's good. It's good. But of course, before we get to that conversation, you know what we got to do, right? We got to wash the balls, which is what we call housekeeping here on American Sex Podcast. And I promise it'll be quick and painless. Just soap them up real quick. Oh, it's nice and shiny and bubbly. And then we'll be done. So first... On the 29th of September, I'm having a virtual town hall discussion with Aaron Tillman about the importance of soft skills and a strategic approach in kink, especially for things like negotiation or psychological play. And I'm doing that on behalf of Sex Positive Los Angeles. And another thing I've got coming up, if you're a mental health professional specifically, don't miss the class I'm teaching for KPACT on the psychological appeal of BDSM on October 15th. So in our episode description, you will find all the links that we mentioned in this episode, not the ones I just, just the ones I just mentioned, but everything. Go to americansuckspodcast.com, search episode 168, or, you know, or go into whatever podcast player you're listening to right now and look at the episode description right there. It's all there. One of the links you're going to find is for our sex positive and kink positive Discord server. And of course, it's free. And we'd love for you to join us there. There's a lot of great stuff going on. It's funny because this week, there is a, um, we have the food court where people just like take pictures of what they eat. And I'm sorry, but I, it was like pornography. There's so much good for, I know we need to be talking about like tits and spanking and stuff, but I'm sorry, these cakes and and steaks and shakes, I'm going to wrap, oh my God, it's just, it's we've got everything. Anyway, come join us. Also, in the, those links in the episode description, you'll get discount codes for our sponsors for this episode, plus a bunch more, lots and lots and lots of you guys stuff to buy, go there. One last thing, and this is just a sneak peek for you, not set in stone yet, no date yet. But you're going to be seeing more about this over the next month or two. I'm rather than teaching for other people, I'm still going to teach for other people's organizations, but I'm going to start hosting my own virtual classes very soon. Working on it right now with Safia, who helps assist me, who's amazing. If you don't know Safia, darling, go follow Safia. So that's what we're working on behind the scenes. So I'm going to gear it up with you know, some of the basics like BDSM 101, uh, class on negotiation and vetting, also the theory of edge play, uh, finding kink community or kink resources and communities and support, a class on that, a class on electric play, class on pervertibles, class on erotic humiliation, uh, also the psychology of kink, not just kink in general, but specifically focusing on the more seemingly fucked up stuff that we love to play with. And I'm also going to do a few general sex ed technique clashes, you know, pussy pleasure, penis pleasure, prostate pleasure, all the P's, all the alliteration, the P-P-P-P-P's. So I am revamping and updating about 12 of my classes right now for the, 
I guess it's the 2122 uh not school year, kink school year, sex positive school year, whatever we want to call it. And I'm super excited. And while I'm revamping, while I'm, you know, I'm working all the things out, smoothing the clay, I'm making the things. If there is a class or a subject that you would like to hear me teach about, whether it's BDSM specific or it's just general pleasure ed, please send me a tweet uh, post on my Facebook page, send an email to American Sex Podcast, the emails in the description of this uh, show notes. I would love to get your input so I can give you what you want. So stay tuned for that. But for right now, shh, you're the first to know. I will let you know when more details are solidified. But for now, just go about your business. Okay, so the balls are clean. That's it. I told you it was easy peasy. Here is sex culture revolutionary Polly Superstar. Polly Superstar is an entrepreneur, a sex positive renaissance woman. Uh, I, I can't say enough amazing things about her. And you're going to find out why in just a couple minutes. But our guest today is Polly Superstar. And we're going to be talking about her and Kinky Salon, which is an institution which she created. Polly, thank you for coming on our podcast today. Hi there, Ken. Hi, Sunny. Hello, I'm excited. Long time no see. Yeah, right? (laughs) And that's for our listeners, that's a joke because you two like see each other all the time. Like every week. Yeah. yeah, Polly is in one of my Pathfinder uh, tabletop role-playing games. uh, And we just have a blast. If you want to, uh, if you're a fan of Polly's, if you're a fan of ours, please watch us on Twitch at Thunderpants Academy. It's twitch.tv slash Thunderpants Academy. We'll put a link into the show notes along with all of the stuff about Polly and Kinky Salon. Yeah, Ken made me go full nerd for the pandemic. (laughs) I want to talk, by the way, uh, because there's that intersection between sex and gaming that you have actually kind of solidified on your own front. But I I don't want to put the cart before the horse here. Um, Let's start off with the basics. Tell us about you. Who is Polly Superstar? Who is Polly Superstar? Wow, that's a difficult question. But um, you know, I, I, I think primarily I'm an artist. I've always been an artist. Art has always driven everything that I do. I went to art school. I'm like, I, I like that's all I ever wanted to be when I was a kid was an artist. And, um, and then my path has kind of like taken me on this meandering, uh, you know, journey through, I guess, a creative life that has also always been influenced by sexuality. Sexuality has always been really compelling to me. Uh, I started going to fetish clubs in London in the 90s when I was far too young. You might use the term jailbait. My first... (laughs) Yeah, I I was at the first ever torture garden. So do the math there. Oh my God. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to say anything because I was in gay bars at the age of 15 and 16. Because they would buy us drinks. And we thought this was brilliant. We didn't have to we didn't have to do anything, and they bought us drinks, and it was amazing. Cool, you yeah. know, you know, we had fun times when we were underage, but that does not mean we advocate others do like oh, we no. did. Do as we say, not as we do. <laughs> exactly. We 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 had fun. We didn't die. We had fun, but we can't guarantee anyone else. So I might cannot not. believe you. Were, so you ended up at Torture Garden <laughs> underage. I um, did. And yeah. did you have latex at that point or leather? Yeah. Like, what, what, what did one wear if one was a? I mean, because. 
I'm, I'm assuming that you either had like really good punk rock garb or something super creative. I mean, what were you I, wearing at that time? I used to, well, put it this way. When I left the house, my mother would say, Polly, you've forgotten to put your clothes on again. <laughs> um, I would leave the house often wearing uh, just underwear, like lingerie and fishnet stockings and thigh boots. I always had the big patent thigh boots oh, and, yeah, and just really, really big hair. Yeah. And that was basically what I would wear back in the day before. And then I started getting super into uh, fetish fashion and exploring all of that world of all of those shiny fabrics and all of that, you know, erotic materials. And I got really into uh, latex. And not so much as like a pervy thing, like people get into it, like, <laughs> I love the smell of it. And it, like, it's not like that. It's more just like, I love the way it looks. It was super modern feeling. And like, like we were engaging in something completely new and different. Like it was Y2K, you know, yeah. it was so ex oh, such yeah. an exciting time. And um, so I got soup after I left art school, I got I got uh, involved in making latex clothes. And my first job was for a company called Libido that doesn't exist anymore. I, I know Libido very well. I used to work at Noir Leather in Detroit and did regular gigs with Cindy. Ah. Um, I mean, you know who I'm talking about, right? Like Cindy and Ken, like they would have these huge latex parties for um House of Wax. Right. And, and they would have like the cramps. I think you're talking about Libidex. No, no, no. This is House of Wax. W-H-A-C-K-S. I worked huh. for them for a while. Um, and they were out of uh, Chicago. Oh, okay. Cool. Nice. So like around the same time though, like there was like a lot of very famous fetish people. Uh, and, and, like, were you a fan of stuff like Catherine Coatney that had like more that was using things like plastics and see-through stuff like, i like, loved like... her stuff yeah i loved it i actually became uh, have you heard of house of harlot of course so i was the first employee at house of harlot no Ooh. kidding wow i was and so i learned from the master robin archer was my mentor he was wow. he was my i mean he was just i was so enamored with his work um, before I started working there. And so to get the job at House of Harlot was like my absolute dream job. And I threw myself in wholeheartedly into everything. And I worked there for, I think, like three years or something before I decided that it was time for me to move on and move and leave London and move to San Francisco. What, what was the original impetus behind moving to San Francisco? Was it like you saw it like, because like, I mean, to me, London was a larger center of the, uh, like, at least the latex fetish world. I know San Francisco has sort of the corner on leather and some of the other stuff. But what was what was the driving force that sent you from the UK to San Francisco? Well, I think it was more that London, I was so fucking miserable that London just ejected me with a force powerful enough that I landed <laughs> on the other side of the planet. <laughs> I don't I didn't have I didn't have any awareness of of San Francisco and what it was like there. I I knew nothing. I didn't even know that that was where the Golden Gate Bridge was. I knew nothing. I just was like I had a friend who was 
who had moved over here and she knew how miserable I was and she was just like Polly just leave just come and and so originally it was like a vacation I just kind of took a sabbatical and I was like I'm just going to go take a break because I just can't hack it anymore and so I uh, I landed in San Francisco on Folsom Street Fair weekend oh my, oh my goodness God. and oh. and my friend who is amazing um she she had signed us up to volunteer so i was volunteering on the gate of Folsom street fair weekend wearing latex wearing my latex and like meeting all the sisters of perpetual indulgence and hanging out in the cat club and on wow. on my first weekend in San Francisco. And I was just like, oh, I'm never leaving. This place is amazing. Right, this is like, America's yeah. the best. America's great. No, it's not. <laughs> San Francisco during Folsom is great. But yeah. It's... Yeah. Wow. I can't imagine like that being your first impression of the United States. That's yeah. actually kind of awesome. Yeah. And it's actually, it's actually the opening, uh, chapter of my book which we should mention <laughs> yeah tell us about oh, yeah tell us about so book. my book is 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 a memoir um and it's called poly sex culture revolutionary and it, it starts off in this scene of me arriving at Folsom street fair and um one of my favorite moments is when i get lifted you know there's that always the crane with the go-go dancer above the audience oh, uh-huh. yeah. and so i went up to that crane and i said you know what do i have to do to get in that to get in that cage and they said you and kind of looked me up and down you just have to ask <laughs> and so i went up there and i was done and i was just like oh my god with the view of perverts as far as the eye can see i was like this is incredible this is where i want to be this is where i want to um do my thing this feels like a completely different place from from london i mean london the london fetish scene is amazing i certainly have you know that's where i got my original kind of inspiration for for a lot of the stuff that i do um and bringing it over to san francisco and bringing the creativity of that scene and combining it with this like Burning Man culture that was starting to grow here. And so that's what my book is about. My book is the story of my journey and how I um, came to do what I do, which has really not been a plan. I mean, you say I'm an entrepreneur, but I've really never planned anything. I don't, I don't, it's not like I'm trying to make a business. It's just that I'm trying to figure out ways to continue to do the things that I love. And somehow I've managed to continue to do that for as long as I have, which is, you know, I arrived in San Francisco in 1999. Uh And so I started making latex clothes in San Francisco, doing fashion shows, um, making, doing all, bringing all of that colorful creativity to San Francisco, which at the time I didn't realize because I was incredibly naive incredibly young and just really didn't know very much about the world at all. Um, But I didn't realize that I was coming in on the tail end of the AIDS epidemic. I didn't realize how intensely that had affected San Francisco and how people in the sex positive scene there had been. I mean, when I when I've spoken like on panels and stuff with some of the older generation uh, of of perverts in San Francisco, um, it's all they talk about because it was like the most intense, crazy, awful fucking thing. People like us, like our entire communities were 
just all died. If you're a survivor, if you're of that generation, you you survived the AIDS epidemic. And that's something that's just so, such a profoundly dark shadow over that period of time in San Francisco. So when I arrived, there were a bunch of people who were still trying to keep things moving, but who were all exhausted. They were all just burned out and, and, and sad and grieving really, really deeply. And I arrived like, like bright, <laughs> bright colors and ridiculousness and, you know, just like keeping just everything was just like a new, a new day had dawned, you know? And so yeah. a lot of the people that did that in San Francisco at the time have expressed just the gratitude for me arriving at that time. Cause they were like, Oh, we so needed that. <laughs> wow. And real briefly, I just want to interrupt. Um, those of you that are American fuckers that are listening to this, who want to know a little bit more about the AIDS epidemic, especially from the leather community perspective, please listen to the episode with Sonny's uncle, George, uncle mm. George is somebody that uh, lived with us for a very long time. And he was a pervert since the 1940s. He was an old gay leather daddy uh-huh. who had survived numerous scenes, but had lost every single one of his friends and lovers due to the AIDS epidemic. And he talks a little bit about that to give you some perspective about a little more of a glimpse as to what Polly is alluding to. Now, Polly, I have a question for you. So how did you morph from that into kinky salon? Right. Well, originally I was doing a lot of fashion shows and the fashion show was really what I enjoyed most of all. I loved going to clubs and putting together these groups of people to just do wacky performance art on stage, just like super bizarre. They weren't just fashion shows. They were things like I would do like rallies where I would be like talking about reclaiming the word pervert and then have a bunch of like gimps come on stage, tear off all my clothes and kind of carry me off screaming and stuff like that. Like it was just like really wacky, fun fashion shows. And that was where I really felt my creativity was being, being really met, you know, was in these performance spaces. Um, and then, and then I started to throw events to kind of like, just to, to promote my own, my, my fashion and my fashion shows and start to do, okay, I'm going to expand this from a show into a whole event. And really that was when Kinky Salon started to take form. Um, and it was always very silly, very funny. Um, that was one of the things that I didn't gel with in the London community was that everything felt really serious. You know, it's all sex is very serious and like dark and like, you know, if you're going to be in BDSM, it's going to be like very serious and you can't talk and you can't laugh and you know, all of that. So it was just a very different approach. It's kinky. It's fun. It's like, it's not like kink. (laughs) (laughs) So I started to do more of that and uh, expanding. I also met my then partner, Scott Levkoff, who we started to collaborate together and create things much that were much more ambitious. He knew a lot more people in San Francisco and had been producing these big shows and stuff as well. So we we joined forces and um, got the, uh, I got a space in, in the Mission District of San Francisco that was called Mission Control. And that, it just took off from there. Um, originally, Mission Control was going to be like an arts collective and we were going to have a, a different artist in each room. But that didn't work out well because artists are super fucking flaky. And so <laughs> we, we were just, every time someone left, we'd be like, yeah, let's just just to open up that room for events and so it gave us the ability because we had this root this space that had all these multiple small rooms that one room at a time we could say 
maybe we'll just take more space for events. Maybe we'll just take more. So we kind of grew into our own space until eventually we were throwing parties basically every weekend. And Kinky Salon as an official kind of uh, name started in 2003. um, And that was supposed to be a after party for the big fetish ball that happens in San Francisco or that used to happen. Um, and it was more like we were just tagging on to this big event that was happening, but everybody had so much fun and it was so awesome that we kind of continued along, along with that and started to do them regularly Uh and kinky salon kind of developed on its own. So it kind of, it wasn't that we started with a vision and made it happen. It was more that we were like, oh, we've got a space. Let's throw a party. Oh, this is cool. People seem to like it when we have a theme. Let's have themes. Let's have another theme. In fact, when we have parties without themes, they suck. Let's always have a theme. And we kind of like discovered it as we went along. And it reached this point, we'd been doing it for about a year when everything kind of fell apart a little bit. It had already it had always been run like a house party, just real casual. People would bring their own booze and it was just our home, you know? And then um, there was one party where everything went wrong. All of the people that usually showed up to kind of help out just didn't show up. They were all just busy. And so it was like this big crowd of people. Nobody, there was no intention. Like nobody really understood that this w- wasn't supposed to be like that like the wildness of the party was wrong it was going off into being like drunk and high and like someone like broke a toilet I mean I don't even know how you do that but like but like one of the toilet stalls you know someone broke it I think they were trying to have sex on it it's like why have sex in a toilet it doesn't anyway I'd have no idea why they were trying to have sex on that toilet but they broke it and we were just disappointed and so i sent out a was the big it was before social media back in the day remember the day before social media <laughs> um <laughs> so well, email was a new fancy thing <laughs> yes do you have an email address that was literally how it all started collecting people's email addresses in clubs i would just go up to people that i like the look of and say hey i'm throwing a party do you want to go give me your email. And that was how it all started. Wow. Um, <laughs> the, the original social networking, right? When you actually yeah. go out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, so I put up a bulletin board <laughs> and we, with the question, like kinky salon, kinky salon is over. I think I was really dramatic about it. I was like, kinky salon now, is over. When you say bulletin over. board, do you mean like Reddit or do you mean like an actual bulletin board? Like a bulletin board, like before Reddit. I think it was before okay. Reddit. Oh, like little chat room like bulletin chat board. Room, like yeah, like the, the PHP. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the old cities. school. Exactly. Yeah. Or Angel Fire. Angel, Angel Fire, Fire Geo Cities, whatever. It was yeah. one of those. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I said, and I said, uh, you know, kinky salon is over. And then I was like, well, that's what I want to say after last night. Someone bathed here. There was a toilet broken. Like, what are we going to do as a community? How are we going to continue this? Because I don't want to be a janitor and I don't want to be a barkeep. Like, I want to create something that's more that's more meaningful than that. And so a bunch of people logged on and we're all like, we need to do this and we need to do this. And we kind of steered it all. But like, that's how Kinky Salon was born, like the Kinky Salon that we know today. Um, It was really generated by the community itself. We wrote uh, the, the charter, which is, you know, the do's and don'ts that we have when you come in the door. We created a schedule for volunteers 
Um, and we kind of created an ethos and an idea that we would be creative um, and that we would be uh, caring towards each other. Like we created all of these ideas um, that kind of came together as a result of the community stepping up uh, to make it happen. And then and the event after that was incredible. And so it's like as soon as you are, as soon as we ask people to invest their creativity and their intelligence and their care and attention into Kinky Salon, that's what made it what it is. It's so I didn't create Kinky Salon. The community created it. I love it. That is, that's just amazing. So let me ask you, what are three events that you remember from the first proper Kinky Salon? Um, well, I mean. Or three aspects of it. It doesn't have to be events, but you know what I mean? Just like three things about it. Yeah, so so one of the things that I um, that really stands out is this is the transition that we had kind of from being just a stand and pose kind of party where yeah there might be an occasional blowjob on the dance floor or something, but it was mainly uh, kind of a cocktail party, I guess. Oh yeah, that's L.A. style S and M stand and model. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And so oh I oh my L.A. community gets down. Let me tell you that. I don't know. But yeah, I do. There are parties like that there too, for sure. But um, yeah, so at the the original parties, uh, this was was kind of another step along the way of how how it developed was we didn't have this like you there wasn't wasn't intentionally stated you are allowed to have sex. There was no like this is a sex party. And these are the you know, we it was kind of like it's just a party where you can do whatever you want. And some people were like, yeah, I'm going to bone in the, you know, against the wall or whatever and then it reached this point where we were like i noticed that there was this one room which is called the pink room because it was all painted pink and it had couches and it was all very cozy and i noticed people were having sex in the pink room and as i walked past the door i kind of looked in and in the shadows there were like slow movements and people kind of looked up and saw me there and kind of oh it's kind of stopped like they, nobody was sure like are we allowed to do this is this cool kind of thing and so for the next party, I was like, let's have a sex party. Let's just call it, let's just say, we're going to have a sex party and see what happens. And that was when the whole thing just kind of clicked into place, when it became this really intentionally created space where you can explore in an erotic, explicit way. And it's all within this container of like creativity and community, community spiritedness, like everybody's in it together kind of thing. So that pink room, looking in the door of the pink room and seeing seeing people starting to have sex kind of in a group for the first time. And I was like, that is fun. Like that is new because, you know, again, we're coming off the 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 history of of, of Kinky Salon and where it comes from, the lineage before that, we're talking about communities decimated by the AIDS epidemic. Sex had become kind of taboo. Uh-huh. In the 90s, when I was first going to fetish clubs, sex seemed, it was like dirty. It was like, oh no, we don't have sex. We just do BDSM. You know, it's like the idea of sex was kind of like, you gotta be careful, you gotta be, you know, it was a, a very different reality as it, as people started to relax, as the epidemic, you know, d- faded, and as we understood more and more about it, and you can protect yourself in ways that you can understand, then it started to people started to come back. But it took a decade, you know. 
for that. I'm wondering time. if that's going to happen now with COVID. Well, I think I have a hard time even wanting to hug anybody. Yeah, I'm like I get squicked out by the supermarket. The last thing I want yeah. is a puppy paw right now. Trust, I'm I'm the same, and I'm not ready. And that's been a, a, an interesting thing as well. I think for people who are, you know, a little older, <laughs> <laughs> and who rem- and even though I ca- I'm coming in on the very tail end of the AIDS epidemic, I wasn't I didn't wasn't participating when that was really, you know, rampant. So I don't have experience of that, but I do remember the after effects of it, and I do remember how much that impacted the scene. And maybe maybe I only realized in hindsight. How much BDSM and the and the, the rise of BDSM in the '90s was really a reflection of the pain and suffering of the AIDS epidemic, and how people needed a way to express themselves erotically in public, and they couldn't do that anymore, and so they started to do more BDSM, and maybe that's why that's my theory anyway about why in the '90s BDSM became so popular. Oh, you know what? You're absolutely yeah. right. Mm-hmm. I, I would have to agree with that a million percent. I worked in an S&M store in Detroit, Michigan, all throughout, like, and was involved with modeling for latex clothing companies, leather clothing companies. And I was involved with those parties that were in the late 80s and mm. then into the 90s and then worked in the industry where I was working with people like Catherine Coatney and Paul C. from Chicago and, like, you know, Stormy and all of the different, uh, like, manufacturers out there. But those parties were off the hook. They are almost completely indescribable. I don't even know how we got everybody together then because we would find out about these through advertisements in the back of paper magazines. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't even on the internet. Yeah, at that point. like in the li- in the so, in the back yeah, and so like we the would, classified yeah, we would be like latex yeah. doll magazine mm-hmm. and equus eroticus it depends on what your personal interest was. Yeah. But before all that it was a lot harder. It was the same in London. Oh my god, those little and it would just be like these little tiny classified ads just yeah. have one line like a bold line and then like a light and that was it and you'd be like, "Right, let's go check it out." You had no idea what was going to happen there. That was my first fetish event was an event called Scream Fetish and it happened in a pub in London. And I had no idea. We arrived it was just like a pub and everyone was just there and they were all just like perverts everywhere. I sat down, my friend sat down with me. This guy sat kind of slid across from the table next to us, started talking to us. And then he's like, can I get you girls a drink? And we were like, okay. And then he got up and from the waist down, he was just wearing a little latex thong. And we were like, whoa, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but then downstairs in the basement, now that's where the dungeon was. And that was my first ever view of a dungeon where it was like full on, you know, BDSM happening. And me and my friend were just like, whoa, we like ran out, <laughs> left immediately. And we're like walking down the street. And we're like in school the next day, like, so what did you think about that club last night? That was pretty crazy, huh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Should we go back next week? <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that has always struck me that makes Kinky Salon slightly different is something that you sort of put a nail on earlier, and that is that you are you have themed sex parties. Mm. Now, we, we, we have been to a lot of sex parties, swinger parties, BDSM events, conferences all over the world. Yours are different for a few reasons, and I... I kind of want you to elaborate like what were the different themes that you had and what were some of the more memorable ones because that really is what made you a little bit different was that continuity of having an event centered around not just it being sex but an artistic expression costuming um 
art, music, dance, all in combination with one another. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think one of the things that makes Kinky Salon different is that sex isn't the focus of the event. So sex is something that happens because we're adults, we're free, we're, we can do what we want. Uh, you know, we're, it's America. So, so, you know, there's areas where you can be erotic and playful, um, but that's not the focus of the event. So many swinger clubs, BDSM clubs, you're going really with that one thing in mind. And at a Kinky Salon, it's just like, it's more like a party where those things are happening and it's not like everybody is you know it's not like an orgy where everybody is you know you know as soon as you walk in the door everyone is expecting you to be naked and join in the orgy that's not what it's like at all um and so there's this aspect of 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 community being the primary kind of means of getting together rather than sex being that it's centered around community. And so there's a friendly vibe. It's not the anonymity of usual sex clubs. It, it doesn't have that feeling of being dirty or, or kind of, um, sleazy. It's m very friendly. We're very loving. Um, and we're very expressive and creativity as well is a focus of Kinky Salon. So, it's more than just a theme for the party. It's yeah. like an immersive experience. And, you know, it, it really is. And it also, I noticed you're one of like when you go to a, a swing club. Now, there are many people there that are anti-racist, but you actually put on the, the headline of your events that mm. you are specifically sex positive and anti-racist. Yeah. And that is and it might seem like a small thing to you expected. You come, you know, come from London, then move to San Francisco. But as an older person who had been experiencing these, it's only that's a very recent thing. But I've seen you doing it from almost the beginning. Yeah. So inclusivity is also one of our uh, core values. And so for us, it's just really important that everybody feels welcome, that everybody feels sexy. Everybody has a right to feel uh, connected to their sexuality. And um, there's a lot of parties that are maybe limited by uh, how y how old you can be like they'll have an age limit or they'll have like uh, you know you have to be you have to pass a test of attractiveness or yeah. or you have to be you know heterosexual uh, you know as particularly by men uh, you can be you can be a bi woman but you can't be a bi man so there's all of these aspects um, and uh, really creating a space where we're trying to have a, a a place where everybody comes and feels welcome. Now, let's point out that we do not live in a world where um, anti-racism, body positivity, ageism, all of these things, we don't live in this perfect world. Kinky Salon is aspirational. And, you know, the people, a lot of the people that come to Kinky Salon, even though they look at the website and they see the thing that like you can, it's, we're not guaranteeing that you won't, that you, those things don't happen at Kinky Salon because they even do there sometimes. But we're always striving to create better experiences and we're always working towards that. And so, yeah, we've been talking about being inclusive since the beginning. That's always been our goal and to create a space that is welcoming and caring for everybody. I've learned a lot over the last decades, um, about, how to create inclusive spaces. You know, I'm a white person, so I have a limited perspective on the world. And my goal really is to 
is to create the th that vision of inclusivity um, that we've been working towards for all these years. But it's, it's, it's a work in progress, to be honest with you, Ken. And it always will be. I mean, the journey towards um, a culture that is anti-racist is is at light. I mean, it's going to take up all of our lives. Like that's, th this work never ends. So this is something that we're always striving towards, that we're always working towards, and we're always trying to do better with. Um, we're always working but towards, it's good to hear and we're somebody always trying to do better with. Front end of things, um, as opposed to a response to a shitty PR move right, that they did. Right. I think that you having constant re-education, learning, and growing, and changing, and adapting, and admitting the fact that you know, people do racist shit, and you can't control that, but you're learning from it, and you're doing better. I think that's incredible. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And trying to have more compassion and understanding and, and, and trying, trying to just, um, do the best that we can. That's all we can do, isn't it? And we certainly can't change history. Um, and culture has changed a lot in the last 20 odd years. Things that used to be a problem or used to be fine are now a problem. And so, uh, or things that used to seem okay are now becoming people, people, people <laughs> yeah. are becoming aware of. So I think one of the keys to Kingy Salon's longevity has been its ability to adapt and change mm -hmm. as culture has adapted and changed and kind of just like keep an eye on things. Because this is my job really is to just watch and learn from the community and listen and try and keep up. Um, and that's been, you know, as young people come in and generations move over. I mean, we have multi-generational you know, uh, Kinky Salon is multi-generational because people come who are in their 60s and people come who are in their 20s. So yeah. it's a real it's a real mix there for sure. It is. So, so you started off in San Francisco, but as I understand it, you're worldwide now. How many different cities have kinky salons right now that are, that are affiliated with you? Well, here, that's that's a good question because there's a <laughs> you might not have heard, but there's a global pandemic going on right now where. Licking, really? licking strangers <laughs> has been put on the list of no, no can do. <laughs> now the pink room is the room where you just go to breathe amongst other people. That's so, daring. So but yeah, like, pre-pandemic, what was your your worldwide spread? Oh my worldwide spread! I think we were in. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> gonna be the theme of a party. Right, Holly's worldwide spread. Yeah. Yeah, the name of that's, my new album. Yeah, but we don't want it to be a super spreader, though, do we? That's true. <laughs> be a superstar. Um. So, so yeah, sixteen cities. Uh, it, it's, Kingy Salon has happened in sixteen cities. I feel like I should explain to you a little bit about how this works, though. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not a franchise. It's not that I'm running all this global empire of of parties. It's that actually, uh, the city, uh makes a proposition to me so uh the the way this first happened was uh, a friend of mine was moving to austin and she said there's nothing like this here i'd love to throw a kinky salon can i do it and i went i guess let's give it a go i mean what do you need and we kind of had this conversation which became the basis of what i call the companion and the companion is the manual that we use to throw kinky salons and um she was throwing it for a while and it was Austin was an amazing party. And then I was like, we should share these tools with more people. And so I started to throw these workshops. We called them Booty Camp. Yeah. Oh, on awesome. Booty Camp. 
And um, one of the people that I trained was Kitty Stryker, the amazing, fabulous oh, consent yeah, we author, Kitty. Um, and sent her off. She was moving to London. So I sent her off to London with all the tools to throw a kinky salon in London. And London started, that was one of our earliest ones, which I never thought would work, to be honest, because there were a few things about the way kinky salon works that I didn't think would gel with the London crowd. One is that we don't encourage any drug use or alcohol use. So we're not a sober party, but it's not the center of the event. We often have like a tea station for people to socialize around. And, you know, the idea is like, don't get wasted. And in London, people just get really wasted. So I just didn't think that that was going to fly. Um, and, you know, the kind of community spiritedness of it, the, the, the sweetness of the community, the, the, the heartfeltness, I just thought wouldn't work. But apparently it's exactly what London needed because it's been a huge success and, <laughs> and then has spawned a bunch of different events in Europe as well. But, but the way that it's worked is that ever since that original booty camp workshop is, is I basically just have a form on the website that says, if you want to throw a kinky salon, contact me. Let's see if we can make it work. And we kind of have, it's been like a global experiment in community. And we just kind of, um, I, I, I get, I get an application. I kind of go through the process with them. And if, if, if we gel together, then we might consider throwing an event. If that works, then we might consider throwing more. But it's not like I have all of these active cities going. There are a few that are active and that are consistent and that have big teams and that are all doing stuff regularly that have been very successful, like the London event, uh, like the Copenhagen event, Toronto, Seattle. There's been a bunch uh, New Orleans. I feel like I have to mention them all Vegas. now. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to mention any more because yeah. I'm just saying that. Oh. <laughs> um, but they're all. They've all been amazing, and they 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 sometimes happen and they sometimes don't. And that's part of it too. Is that like I'm not running a business here. I'm not trying to promote my brand. What I'm trying to do is just see if we can continue doing what we're doing because we're having a good time and it seems like people's lives get really transformed by having the kinky salon experience. And so I'm just trying to facilitate that as best I can. Um, and for this now global audience, which is kind of fun. Um, I personally uh, produce the San Francisco event, which is now in Oakland, like everything cool in San Francisco. Um <laughs> Uh, the LA event and the Las Vegas event. So those three are my babies and I, and I have much more of a hand in the day to day running of those. But again, nothing has been happening since the pandemic. It's so all, yeah. What's happened, you know, since the pandemic, I know like, you know, the live events and the live parties aren't happening. So how have you, uh, adapted and yeah. dealt with what's happening? The smell of fall is in the air. You can just see it, well, and smell it in your mind's eye, can't you? Pumpkin spice, piles of leaves, hay rides, scarecrows with their unkempt gourds hanging out. Wait, what? Lucky for the scarecrow in your life and his gourds, Manscaped just released their brand new fourth generation performance package. And it and everything else at manscaped.com is 20% off 
and you get free shipping with code SUNNY. Inside the Performance Package 4.0 is the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear, Hair, and Nose Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, plus two free gifts, Performance Boxer Briefs, and the Shed Travel Bag. Now, you have heard about the Lawnmower 4.0, right? That's my favorite and Ken's favorite too. Cutting edge, ceramic blade, 4,000 LED spotlight, and it's waterproof. And the Weed Whacker, it uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered, 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. You know, so your scarecrow can comfortably trim that unruly straw that's always sticking out of his ears and nose. Oh, and guess what? Right now, you get 20% off and free shipping with the code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, at manscaped.com. You gotta hop on that. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code SUNNY at M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. Make sure those balls... I mean, I mean, gourds, you know, the cute little mini pumpkins are fresh this fall with Manscaped. If your sex has fallen into the same old dull routine, well, I've got the perfect thing to help you think outside the box. Get a fun, sexy box from Like a Kitten. Like a Kitten gift boxes have all your erotic essentials from vibrators and massage oils to robes and handcuffs. It's your one-stop shop for a perfect evening. And I might suggest choosing your own adventure with their BYOB box, aka it's the build your own box. You get to choose one item out of each of six categories, toys, beauty products, lubes and cleansers, games, sexy accessories, and lingerie. Within each category, you have eight or more products you can choose from. So you can build an experience that's customized to your specific desires. And my latest box, this is what I chose. Uber Lube, Screaming O Bestie Bullet, the It's the Bomb Bath Bomb. Once the bomb dissolves, you get a vibrator in it. So cool. A nifty white rabbit and leather flogger, a black satin robe, and a badass coloring book. And they gave me crayons too. What's really cool is the box only costs 69 bucks. I mean, some of the vibrators alone retail for more than that. So the entire box of six gifts is a steal. And even more so for you, because you know I always got your back, right? Right now, Like a Kitten is offering our listeners 20% off and free shipping when you go to likeakitten.com slash sunny, S-U-N-N-Y, or enter the code sunny at checkout. Just go to likeakitten.com slash sunny or use the code sunny to get 20% off of these awesome boxes. Likeakitten.com slash sunny. And the link is in this episode's description. Well, the first thing that happened in the pandemic uh, was that obviously everything got cancelled and I just looked at a future where my my whole, I'm not going to say career, I'm going to say my vocation, my life's work, my passion was just brought to this horrible grinding halt. I mean, I've been throwing events on a regular basis uh, for as 
I don't do math. So since 2000, well, I mean, since 1999, really, Mm -hmm. was when I first started throwing events. So um, to have that ripped away from me just felt just so awful. I cried on the floor. I said, I don't know how we're going to do that. I hate virtual events. I don't want to do virtual events. Virtual events suck. Like I'm watching these Zoom orgies. I mean, what is this? Like the Brady Bunch of genitals? Who fucking cares? (laughs) (laughs) So, and one day when doing? this penis met this vagina. <laughs> okay. Anyway. I, I, I didn't, I didn't. And we're stepbrothers and sisters, <laughs> so it's a porn. <laughs> I didn't think it looked interesting at all. And so I, the first thing I did was I thought, well, this is going to last a few months. So we just have to survive this period of time. I was also seeing all of the artists and the creative people and all of the people, the infrastructure of people that hold together Kinky Salon were all out of work. No, Everybody was like, I don't know how I'm going to survive. Um, and so I threw a Kickstarter campaign for all of the artists of Kinky Salon. And I, we, we spent 16 days. We were live every day on Facebook. <laughs> I hate Facebook, by the way. <laughs> fuck Facebook. I am no longer on Facebook, but I did it every day for the pandemic because people needed it. And we right. were entertaining and ridiculous and I paid everybody and we kept this thing going. And at the end of the 16 days, I collapsed in a big heap and I looked at, I said, okay, okay, guys, we'll survive the next month or two. Good job. <laughs> and then after a month or two, we were like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. And so then I was like, I'm going to have to figure out virtual events, which I didn't want to do because I thought they sucked. Um, And my programmer who put together all of my membership um, stuff that I manage all my members with online kind of came to me with this idea of this, um, something that was a little bit different, you know, Uh, which was rather than just like a Zoom party, Instead, it was a much more interactive way of being in a virtual space, multiple rooms. You can communicate with people individually. You can switch people off or turn people on. It's completely configurable to your own specifications. So it's more like a social experience. You walk into a room. You're not then talking to everybody in the room at the same time in a real social experience. You would go into a room. You would see the people you want to talk to and you'd go talk to them. Right. So it was much more like that. And we started to throw virtual events um, and we really threw ourselves deeply into the creativity of um, immersive spaces online. So um, as an example, (laughs) our first event was the uh, uh, Alien Mating Rituals Contest, where (laughs) we had this story that like, Somewhere in a bunker in Las Vegas, there's a there's a wormhole and all of these aliens are beaming in from all over the multiverse to demonstrate their mating rituals as part of this contest. And so that was kind of like the basis of it. But then, of course, we had one of the rooms was like men in black knocking at the back door, trying to get into the party. So it was like a security camera and you could go in there and like try and keep men in black from coming in the back door. We had all kinds of ridiculous interactive activities in all of the different rooms. And, um, you know, it, we just had so much fun with it. And um, we then threw a Halloween party that was like a, 
a haunted house theme where you go around and there's all you had to like bow bow before the demon and you had to that like was so fun i went to that one for my birthday and it was just amazing how there was like all of these little rooms where there was like tarot readers and people that were telling ghost stories and then sexy stuff was happening in other rooms and then you could bow to the demon. I mean, it was it was incredible. <laughs> it was really silly and fun. Um, and so we not only did we manage to, you know, keep Kinky Salon alive, keep the infrastructure of weirdos alive, that keep it all going um, and manage to have some fun and work on a project together because everybody was so like we don't have anything to do you know and so all of the people in the in entertainment in quotes were all you know at a loss so i was organizing meetings and making some really fun things happen and i think it kept us all sane during during the pandemic to have this and also have a reason to dress up uh to put on you know sexy underwear and false eyelashes and you know shimmy about and and like there was something just really fun about these virtual events in the pandemic it was our little way of it's our little window into like maintaining our erotic connection to our community to each other and like it was just a really really fun period of time and then at the like towards when vaccinations started coming really the virtual events like people really aren't interested in going to virtual events right now like it's yeah. it's everyone's like outside everybody's oh, seeing I, their I friends think i think they're gonna start wanting to again yeah real soon <laughs> with delta coming around oh, delta. we're gonna be in lockdown for another three months minimum yeah um, well i mean i we'll see what happens um i'm not like i'm not saying that it that that the virtual events are over by any stretch of the imagination we still have a lot of interest i think one of our favorite combinations has been these um we call them the double dare dance parties where there's just two rooms we 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 kind of like stripped it down like what's the most fun <laughs> so we got the dare room which is like the sexy dance party where the dj dares you to do more and more and more erotic things as the evening goes on um <laughs> so that's really fun and then the truth room where you can go and you can play a game of truth and so we've been doing those ongoing and those have been really fun but much smaller scale like right. you know just just the, the ones that we were throwing in the peak of the pandemic were like 100 plus people these ones are much more like 10 people are showing up um and so maybe we'll do something bigger and more creative but right now what i'm seeing is people are wanting to gather and maybe it's not time yet for big kinky salons um that's i i know that some other events have started doing bigger big things and i'm not like criticizing i think everybody has their own uh risk level that they're comfortable with and if yeah, people yeah that's a good way to put it if people feel comfortable uh going to a bigger event and they're willing to take that risk on then more power to them um but for me and my most like close close community close circle most people are more interested in going to smaller parties like 20 people right. 20 people would be great like that mitigates risk by having a smaller event if we can have everybody be vaccinated as well then that creates a container that has minimized the risk as much as possible. Um, right. Obviously, I can't produce, you know, 120 person events. So what I've been doing is creating an online training uh, that kind of takes all of the materials that I've used to throw multiple kinky salons over the world and kind of pared it down to a smaller script 
and taking people through through this new training so that people can become qualified to throw their own little that's great so then you have like two or three like uh pandemic pods that yeah. can get together and, and kind of do their own thing. Yeah. And that as a, you know, it would just happen in people's homes and it will just happen. You know, you can choose who your guest list is and, you know, we teach you all of the, how, how to do it from start to finish in this training. And then there's just a bunch of small parties and I'm getting really good feedback from people about this plan. We haven't started doing it yet, but that's kind of like looking like where we're going, probably going to have some events on the calendar by Halloween. That's my goal because Halloween really is the Kingy Salon's high holiday. It's like, oh, sexy costumes. Hello. And and it's my birthday more importantly. That's true. That's true. So I have have a question for you about uh, COVID vaccines and vaccine passport type stuff. How do you verify? That's a good question. So so one of the things that I do know, like in the bars that they're using out in Chicago, and I think this is coming to San Francisco soon, is what they're doing is they have an app that's hooked up to the state health board so that if somebody, for example, loses their card, they can simply use the app and show where there's an electronic registration from it. And it defeats anybody who brings in a fake piece of paper. Yeah. Because every every state has to register with the state board of health in order to verify that somebody has been vaccinated. Um. Yeah. Obviously, you're recommending that people get vaccinated, but are like, have you are you on the forefront of any kind of new technology? Are you doing anything for verification, or are you just doing word or like uh, the honor system at this point? Good question. I um, we haven't figured out the details of that yet, to be honest. And I think that once I get a group of people, I don't people, think anybody has. Polly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. I think once once we have this small group of people that we're training up and who are ready to throw events, I think we'll have a conversation. I think that's a bit of a group genius answer. Mm-hmm. I absolutely. Yeah. I don't. And I think, a... and it does vary from state to state too. It, like, yeah, what absolutely. Apps you like have San Francisco was yeah. a lot better off. They had and... vaccinate. They had like herd, like herd immunity almost immediately. I think it was with the state of New Hampshire and the city of San Francisco were the only two places that had it. So we know that you're taking the right precautions over there. Right. Well, I, but bear in mind, I'm no longer in San Francisco. No, I know. You're in Vegas. I know. Well, I know that you know because you live around the corner from me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but San Francisco, the home of the sexual revolution, the sex culture revolutionary could not stay there any longer. So now I live in Sin City. I think it's a good transition. To yeah. Go from... <laughs> and I honestly think we're all on the forefront. Like the rest of San Francisco is right behind you they're coming yeah well i mean <laughs> yeah i yeah it's uh it's it's it feels really good to have you here as well actually um and i think you know there's there's a good ground base here that's really growing for a sex positive community to really have this 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 new kind of era you know because uh-huh. sin sin city las vegas it's all been very unaccountable um, the community here tends to be kind of heteronormative unless it's, yep. unless it's gay. Um, there's not much crossover. The Burning Man community, again, burner community tends to be in alignment. A lot of our, a lot of the people in the different cities where we have kinky salons, the people that are throwing the kinky salons are also involved in Burning Man regionals. So it's like, it's like we kind of like, we kind of fly side by side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're born, we're both born of the same, of the same culture in San Francisco. So it's not a surprise that there's a lot of parallels there. Cousins for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, although I would say sisters or twins, but cousins. And I'm, and, and, and I've never, I've, we've never thrown a kinky salon on the plier because, because the pl- plier is not a safe space. 
So um, I don't I don't think it's a good place to have a, a kinky salon. I mean, it's good to ha- it's a good place to have an orgy dome, and the way that they do things is amazing and completely different to the way that we do things. Um, but I wouldn't throw a kinky salon out there. You know what's um, interesting about that though is I feel more safe at Burning Man and BDSM adjacent parties that are similar to kinky salon that I actually feel at Burning Man. It is yeah. a safer space. Totally. Where totally. you have the people that have those principles oh, and they're taking a look at it. There's also a lot of bullshit, too. Well, yeah, there's yeah. also a lot of bullshit that goes on the playa, like specifically yeah. on it. Well, mainly a lot of drugs. Let's just yeah, yeah, tell, yeah, tell it yeah. like it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more of the sex and rock and roll that missing out on the drugs. <laughs> so really quick, talk about that. Talk about, you know, I know you said that uh, it's not a no alcohol party, but it's like, be sensible, have that sensible glass of wine, don't get out of control. Talk a little bit more about like, uh, the safety aspect, like that, you know, your views on consent and that sort of thing. What makes Kinky Salon generally safer than an orgy on the playa yeah and let's 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 say safer we always talk about safer community not safe community because there is no such thing as a completely safe community but um basically we do three things uh we have what we call uh the do's and don'ts the charter those are the agreements that you have when you walk in the door so everybody who walks in the door gets read the charter whether you've been there a million times or not doesn't matter you have to slow down and it's this process of greeting this process of slowing people down that gives them the idea this is not like a normal party instead of coming in right woo, you're coming in and you're being slowed down and you're being hey this is how we operate so that's number one uh number two is that we have what we call walk around hosts uh, and these are the eyes and ears of kinky salon they're not security guards they're not police they're not uh here to you know, kind of keep an eye on you in a way that's like, uh, that, that they're like looking down on you. It's uh-huh. more like just members of the community who have volunteered their time to give a little extra to the community. And yeah. they just, um, want, walk around and they greet people and they welcome people and everyone there has somebody say hello to them, has, knows that they're not anonymous knows that they have that that we're a community and we're keeping an eye on each other right so we have walk around hosts the third thing is we have the pal system now the pal system is a really um i think it's the cornerstone of our community structure and it was actually the last thing in the structure of kinky salon that got developed because it was something that originally uh, we used to have what you call the single guy license so we were like well it's single guys that always cause the problems sorry but it's true, single guys cause 99% of the problems at these events. I wish it wasn't true, but it's fucking true and it's annoying. Um, and so we used to have this thing called the single guy license, which was we just want to track the single guys. And we just want to be able to say, we know who you are. We're keeping an eye on you. We've got your picture and we can identify you if you do something wrong and we can ban you. Right. So we did that. And the impression that was given to the single men of the community was we don't want single men here. We would rather you came with a partner. And that's not true because you know what? I wanted some single dick. Uh, And it was never at Kinky Salon. Kinky Salon in the early days was like two thirds women. Uh, It was annoying. I was like, I mean, I I love women too. But, you know, sometimes I just wanted a little strange dick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, so I, it, it was, the, the PAL system was developed out of my selfish need for dick. 
That's the best. <laughs> Mother is. <laughs> Oh my God, that is amazing. And basically what it is, it stands for Pervy Activity Liaison. And what this means is everybody who comes to Kinky Salon has to come with someone. It doesn't have to be your date. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to play together. It doesn't have to be, it just has to be somebody that you know, that you vouch for, and that you stay with from the beginning of the party to the end of the party. You don't leave them alone there. And if they do something wrong, you are held equally responsible for their behavior. So if two single guys come, which they do all the time, they will have to keep an eye on each other. And in in the previous situation, imagine you go to a party, you're with your friend, they get a bit drunk, they're being annoying, they're being sleazy. What do you do? You say, oh God, my friend is being a nightmare. I'm out of here, right? Yeah. With the PAL system, you say, shit, I better, I better get them out of here because otherwise I'm going to be held responsible. The that. first thing we say when there's a problem at Kinky Salon is who's your PAL? And this works both ways, both for the victim who then has support and both for the transgressor who has, who then normally nine times out of ten their pal will say to them, oh God, I'm so sorry. Let me get him out of here. Him. You notice how I use that uh-huh. gender. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's, it's a really great system for creating uh, collective accountability. So we're all looking out. Everyone at the party has one person looking out for them. And when we, ha- when we all have one person that we're looking out for, um, we, can, we can create safety. Um, if your friend is getting too drunk and people are starting, it, it, it goes the other way around. If somebody is having, if you feel like someone is taking advantage of your friend, you're also there to make sure they're okay, right? So in uh-huh. scenarios where there could be questionable stuff going on, you can be there like, hey, that's my pal. What's going on over here? I'm going to make sure that this doesn't happen. So at Kinky Salon, 99% of the problems that you would have at other clubs are quashed before they even happen by the PAL system. Wow. Boy, if you are an owner of a swing club or attend a swing club, listen to this podcast. Absorb some of the genius <laughs> yeah. of poly superstar through osmosis. But again, remember, it was just that I wanted dick. Um, and all of it, on the <laughs> all other... the more reason for them to listen because they're going for a lot of these places. <laughs> right. On I the other side of it, dick, but I want it safely. It was all hindsight, so I was like, "Well, can't we just have like a buddy system, and then people can come together?" And then it kind of developed like, "Oh my god, this does so much. We can use this in all these different ways. We can use this for accountability. We can use this." as a way of ensuring that people who come are have somebody to keep an eye on them we can we can we can really it really works on so many different levels both during the event if there's a problem during the event and after the event if if we get any kind of report we can then send it to both the people like hey this is what happened Uh, And it gives people support. It gives people, you know, a caring, supportive person to help them if they need it. And it also gives them somebody to hold them accountable. So I have a question. If I'm in a triad and I come to Kinky Salon, can I be accountability buddies with the other people in my triad? Or does it have to be with just one person? No, you can have, uh, that's a good question. You can have multiple uh, people in um, in your pal. But we don't recommend more than three 
If you're more than three, then it's best to split off because otherwise it's too yeah, many people to keep sense. an eye on. But if you're right. in a triad, yes, absolutely. You can, you, can, you can come with three people. It just has to be somebody that you know. You can't find somebody on the internet um, and just be like, hey, Craigslist, I'm looking for a pal. Um, and yeah. They can be any gender. Um, and you're just basically responsible for each other's behavior. Um, and that has really helped to keep keep the community safe. Oh, I love it. I freaking love it. So, all right, for those listening who are like, hmm, maybe I want to do my own small scale party with accountability. Uh, where can they find you and keep up with the training that you're doing? And who knows what else you'll be doing in the future? I'm sure some great stuff. Where can people find you? Well, it's kinkysalon.com is the place to find me. I'm very available. <laughs> <laughs> and what you'll find when you go to the Kinky Salon website is a lot of information about Kinky Salon and its history and some some fun videos and stuff that we've, um, you know, accumulated over the years. And then there's mm -hmm. also uh, access to our private social network. So the video parties, the private social network, this is all now developed. I mean, we've been doing this since the pandemic, you know, since, well, I guess basically for like a year. And mm -hmm. we've now just started doing like a Tinder-like kind of, um, you, can, you can like people's profiles and they'll get a notification saying someone likes you and then and with clues about where you might be so like if you've rsvp'd to a specific event or if you're new like they'll have clues as to where to find you and then they can like you and if it's a mutual like then you both get a notification and then we've got all of this integrated uh video uh uh chat so you can just chat with people individually on video chat as well um once you've found out that they want to chat with you obviously <laughs> consent uh -huh. first so but you can just go through and heart heart people's profiles and all of that is now um you know we we've, we've got this whole social network thing now as well and that's uh -huh. inside there is where you're going to find information if you want to get the information directly from me the best way to do it is to text me so you can text me at 702-996-4243. That's my personal text that comes into Everybody me. text her at once. No! <laughs> you can text me and... Um, Ask before you send dick pics, though. Don't, don't send me dick pics. I'm not interested in dick pics. But if you Thank send me you. a dick pic, I'll just block you. Whatever, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but um, Don't be that guy. But yeah, don't be that guy. But uh, but yeah, text me. I have a I have a whole uh, way of communicating with people directly. I manage my texting. I send all my updates through text, and that's really my inner secret uh, community. That's the way to get directly in touch with me. So I'm going to say that again: seven zero two nine nine six four two four three. I actually love getting texts from the community. So wow. If you're comfortable with it, we'll put it in the show notes if you want. Yeah, absolutely. That's okay. I, I have it publicly on the website. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah, that is so like I am I'm more of an antisocial person and I was like, that sounds like my worst nightmare. Everyone no, texts me. me. I'm the same way, Polly. Like I would much rather have people text me and then I can pick and choose like who I communicate with and how and 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and we'll have we'll have another conversation behind the scenes about the app that I use to manage my mass texting because it's genius and it's changed my life. And fuck oh. Facebook, fuck Instagram, fuck all corporate social media. I refuse to create compelling, clickable content for my community that keeps them addicted to a toxic medium. I am anti-social media, um, and which is ironic because I was one of the first, uh, you know, eager beavers at the beginning of social media saying, this is going to change the world. This is incredible. I, before social media even existed, me and my partner Scott would talk about like, in the future, we'll be able to connect directly with our friends. It'll be like all through our phones and we'll be able to send them <laughs> pictures and we'll be able to invite them to events and we'll be able to connect and all of this stuff. And then when it started to happen, we were like, yes, 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 this is what we've been talking about. And it was this whole exciting life that we had. It was called Superstar Avatar, was this idea of this like Ooh. gamified social network that is like created to bring about your most positive self. Like it was like t created to to encourage altruism and creativity. And we had wow, all that's of the these, literal opposite it was like, of it was social like, media. Exactly. <laughs> it was like we could use this tool. We could see how powerful it was as a tool for, I mean, I hate to say it, but manipulating culture, manipulating uh -huh. people. We could be using that tool to create happiness, joy, altruism, care, community spiritedness. But instead, it's a click hungry, soulless, evil monster of doom that does not get my attention anymore. You know what's funny? <laughs> this is this is due to you, Polly. I actually, on my phone, because of the name of your crossbow in our Pathfinder game, <laughs> I call all of my social media, social media of doom. Yes. <laughs> nice. Of doom. Oh, gosh. Um, well, so anyway. Okay. <laughs> this but, has been awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much. And I'm, you know, American fuckers, follow Polly. Find out what's happening. This might be the new wave of social media. Who knows? And you know what? That's one of the things is that like Polly has been on the forefront of so much innovation, art, production, and media. Just follow along. Follow Polly. And you know what? Thank you, Polly, again so much for coming on today. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yay. It's been my pleasure. It's been super fun to talk to you guys. You too. Okay, until next time. Bye. 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 We'll see you around the corner. We'll see you at the grocery store. Okay, <laughs> Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag SciChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just shh, go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.